You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Palindo. Okay, so tonight we're going to do the correlation versus causation fallacy. Probably the first thing we have to do is talk about correlation. One of the things that we talk about a lot are relationships between variables. So just relationship between things. We could observe a positive correlation. So that means the movement of one rises and falls at the same movement as the other one. So when they're positively correlated, they move together. Okay, like connected. They're connected. So when one's high, the other's high. When one's low, the other's low. Mm -hmm. So that's a positive correlation. They could be strongly related, like really tracked together. And then the other kind of correlation is the negative correlation. And that's where when one goes up, the other falls. And then when one falls, the other goes up. Hmm. They move inversely or they move in opposition. Those are the two kinds of correlations we might have. And what, what are we talking about? A patterned quality of the relationship between those two things. Okay. So here's where the fallacy comes in. Mixing up the fact that those two things have a relationship and suggesting one thing causes the other thing. That's where we go wrong. Because that would make sense. You think that if they move together, that one could maybe be causing the other one to do have the movement. Well, and we love causes because it has a blame quality. We're going to blame the first thing for the second thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Part of that is this idea that we tend to like to blame. And so in that blaming, we can get mixed up. That's kind of related to a different fallacy as well, which is the oversimplification fallacy. Hmm. And that's the fallacy where you suggest it's just one thing and another thing, and and there's nothing else involved in it. Mm. One of the examples I thought was really interesting is when we have elections, we have politicians that stand up and say, when I was in office, the economy was good. Mm -hmm. Or when I was in office, the economy is bad. But there's a lot of things that influence the economy. Mm-hmm. It would be crazy to say that that was just the one factor and that the economy was a result of that one thing. Mm-hmm. It's a giant oversimplification of what influences the economy. We don't want to think too simply and say, oh, it's just this one thing and this other, this other one thing. Easy to be trapped in that thinking. Because I'm thinking of daily life mm-hmm. because this, and then you just kind of go on yeah. this roller coaster that doesn't end. It's good news, bad news for us as humans. We're trying to figure out the world, but we oversimplify it. (laughs) And when we're oversimplifying it, then we take a complex topic and kind of suggest that it's only this one way or only this particular pattern. And that's not a realistic way to view the world. One of the classic things that we talk about in terms of correlation versus causation, right, and knowing the difference is we know that ice cream sales is correlated with drowning, very strongly correlated with drowning. Mm. When you have ice cream going up and you have drowning going up, they're positively correlated, right? When Mm -hmm. one's down. So in summer, they're both high. In winter, they're both low. They move together. We know that they are actually statistically correlated. But to oversimplify is to suggest there's not this other variable, which is summer. And summer is another variable that's very, very important because we eat more ice cream in the summer and we also swim more in the summer. So mm-hmm. could someone, or do people say that ice cream then causes drowning? Well, there's people that like to say lots of things like that. I don't know that they'd go that far to say that one. Okay. Yeah, I was like, but that's what that's like the part of the joke I was leaning. I was like, 
but not saying those two things. No, but I mean, it helps us differentiate. They could be very strongly correlated mathematically and not have any causal relationship. They can be correlated because they move together, but they have nothing mm -hmm. necessarily to do with each other. Right. But that's what we do in our minds. We tend to make these unrelatable things connect because we're yeah. trying to make sense of the world around us. Yeah. So we have two things that we can kind of think about in this space. One, what does it look like? And two, do I have any evidence to believe that thing? Hmm. There's a, a famous example that happened during the plague. People were trying to figure out what was going on in London. So this is the plague of 1665. Oh, no. They said, you know what? There's a ton of cats around. And I bet they're giving us the plague because cats are kind of spooky. And they're this. kind of quiet and they sort of are on their own pattern. So what they decided to do was kill a bunch of cats and they killed dogs too, but they killed 200,000 cats. Oh my God. And guess what happened? Because they thought that was causing the plague. It appeared that way. But did they do any research? No. So no research, just killed 200,000 cats. Oh and God. guess what happened? The incidences of the plague went from 1,000 a week to 6,000 a week because the cats were actually killing the rats that were carrying the plague. Wow, this is making, like, I almost want to use 1665 as a theme in my mind for when I'm oversimplifying or not making correct connections. Like, am I 1665-ing myself? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's an interesting thing because it's a famous example because wow. people were like, people got together and said, yeah, those cats are so bad. They're kind of spooky and the plague's kind of freaky and we're all getting worried. Let's kill the cats. And then the cats were no longer killing the rats, which is what was actually happening. Oh my God. Where they're not causing it, but they were helping and you just yes. killed all your helpers. Yes. And so Jeez. then it went up to eventually up to 6,000. They're estimating a week of people dying from the plague a week. So does part of the reason you love this example is that because they failed to do their research, they failed to collect their data. You have to collect your data. <laughs> I, you know, I love that theme, but here's where I would land on it. It's two things. It's what does it appear like? And then before I believe that appearance, do I have evidence to support that appearance? And they did no research, you know, and they were desperate, of course, a thousand a week, they're freaking out, lots of populations being wiped out, lots of cities, lots of carried a lot of places. They just said, well, let's just go for it. This is very applicable for relationships in our lives, right? Because what I'm hearing from the loss of these poor, sweet cats yeah. is that something appears to be something, but we don't do the research and we overconnect it, essentially, mm -hmm. we miss out on what may be happening. And it kind of makes me think of a lot of times in a relationship, I'm like, oh, this person should know how I feel because they should just read my mind. And I'm oversimplifying this thing that's mm -hmm. impossible. Where yeah. <laughs> this is, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But. I feel like we do this we, where it kind of leads is assigning meaning to people's mm -hmm. intentions. And mm -hmm. of course, going back to intention and what we believe about it. But we can oversimplify and say like, oh, they did this and that means this. And then mm -hmm. it can kind of put something in between you and them. I don't know, like a little beef of they mm -hmm. did this thing to me. And that means that they don't care about me. And it has absolutely nothing to do with that. Maybe they didn't come to your birthday because they were really sick or really tired. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that they don't like you or care for you. But yeah. communica communication helps not assign incorrect meanings. I mean, it could do that. Sure. That could be the data we collect. But also, I think observations as well. We have a lot of young families listening to our podcast. I talked to a bunch of them and they say, 
you know, parenting young children's hard. <laughs> and it's easy to be tired and say, oh, that parent did that and that caused this kid's bad behavior. Hmm. That's an example yeah. where they might actually not have all the information and might assign that causal effect too quickly. Taylor has a look on her face. She's like, oh, I know this so, one time where this happened to me. So it's just <laughs> funny, like listening to other people, you know, who are just the most perfect parents ever, <laughs> people who don't have kids and yeah. they have the best parenting advice and they know it all. Let me tell you. And it's just funny to hear sometimes and even other parents, you know, no judgment on whatever. These <laughs> people will take something weird. Like I've heard this about co-sleeping and they said, oh, well, they slept with their kids in the same room or same bed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they'll take this totally what I would think is very unrelated, but there's definitely no research, even if it is related, they'll make a, the causation that mm -hmm. because they co-slept, you know, just things like that. I think that's a great example that parents or anyone who or breastfeeding or sure, they like, did this kind yeah. of method for childbirth or mm -hmm. whatever let them cry it out so now they're gonna be a serial killer i don't know what it is but <laughs> let's hope not let's hope not I, uh, but um, i think it is interesting and and we've talked a lot about the cheats or the shortcuts that are involved in these fallacies and i think we're on to what it is right there which is it's very easy to just say i'm gonna take it face value just, I, I know what you mean, or I know this way of parenting, and I'm not going to do any work. I'm not going to do any reading. So how do we stop oversimplifying? How do, I, how do we stop that? We talked about there's the appearance. So I think we've kind of covered that where we look at the appearance and say, things aren't always as they appear. So we get that. So then we follow that up with saying, let's test it. You think about the cats and the rats and you know these different examples. And well, what do I do then to test that? Because if I was in that situation, I would need to test, hey, if we get rid of cats in this small area and leave the rats, what happens? You know, and I would find out, oh, wait, when the cats are missing, it still happens. Because we're testing for presence and absence. An easier example would be to think about something like when you eat tomatoes, you get a rash. And you're saying, oh, the tomato causes me to get a rash. What you and I do when we're trying to figure out that puzzle is we say, well, there's no relationship between them if it fails either the test of presence or the test of absence. Mm -hmm. So the test of presence is when one's present is the other present. Okay. So when I eat tomatoes, do I have a rash? Hmm. And the test of absence is when I don't eat tomatoes, I don't have the rash. You want to start doing a little more research and see if they actually go together. We could go through the ice cream and the swimming example or the drowning example and say those occur completely independently. So are you saying with the tomatoes, you already have the rash and you eat a tomato and then you say, look, there's the rash from eating the tomato? Well, that would be the psycho way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. no, I, am, I did not hear that at all. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <sighs> Every Just... time you eat the tomato, you okay. get a rash. Okay. And every time you don't eat tomato, you don't have rashes. Okay. That's testing for presence and absence. Okay. And if anyone loves tomatoes the way I do, this example is hurting my feelings. <laughs> so then we're going to figure out, is there any time you eat a tomato, but you don't get a rash or get a rash when you haven't eaten a tomato? Okay. Right. So that's, that's testing the other okay. side of that coin, right? Of the okay. presence and absence. That's something I think we don't do. I don't think we test for presence or absence. Hmm. Yeah, I think I you're think right. We look at appearance and go, well, like confirmation bias almost. Like we look for it con to confirm the, the narrative we have in our head. 
I think we do that. And I think we could actually really test it by looking for presence and absence. You said we assess something. So there's an appearance. We assess it. Then we test it. Well, I think the, I don't know if that's even assessing it. I think the appearance is just, we notice what intuitively looks connected. Okay. So it's, it appears, it, we have, it, there's an appearance, then there's a test. And, and so the failure on the fallacy is to accept the appearance. That oh. mother, that person looks like a bad mother. That's why their <laughs> child's crying. Mm. That person does this. That's why this is happening or, or, she acts this way. That's why she has no friends or whatever. And hmm. anything that is an appearance, the it's challenge out. is for you and I to figure out how to train ourselves not to accept the appearance and to think, okay, is there a time where this child doesn't misbehave when this other thing happens? Or is there a time where this person doesn't behave in this other way? They're actually very nice or whatever, and, and broadening our framework for being able to take in the perceptions that we have in our world. Hmm. Perception checking, my favorite episode we've done still. Well, I mean, we can check the perception for sure, but it's just the idea that you and I can narrow our focus down to accepting appearances, and that's a tough way to live. Mm -hmm. It seems like we need to be very open-minded and just aware, intentional, so mm -hmm. that we don't get, I guess, lazy about just accepting these half-truths or missing evidence things that pop up in our life. Like you said, oh, there's that child crying again. They're a bad parent. Mm -hmm. so, so it's how to check your... So I, what I'm hearing is to avoid that lazy process, like you're saying, Taylor, is being able to check myself when I'm having a 1665 moment when I'm killing all the cats because <laughs> it's it, this is a really easy one to get caught up in I think I mm -hmm. I first read this and was like oh I can avoid that you know but uh, no I mean it's I think it's it, when you're talking oh yeah that kid's screaming because this well you, do they have special needs is there like, like oh I mean I don't oh, know yeah. did a million they other take things. a nap yeah <laughs> I'm trying to think of another example that's not just kid related but just like friendships, how people treat you. I can give you an example that happened one time when we were doing allergy testing with one of our children. And this child is very well behaved. All of a sudden started throwing toys at other kids when we're in the laboratory waiting for the skin to react to the test. So my thinking was, you're behaving badly. You're out of control. Stop it. So I start saying to the child, hey, cool it. Don't throw that. Stop it. Sit down. I'm starting to order this child around. And the nurse taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, it's in his nervous system. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I gave him a test that can have a nervous system reaction. He's having that reaction. That's what's causing the throwing of the toys. She said, wow. watch, watch. And she grabbed another shot and gave it to him. And he was completely normal. Whoa. Wow. That's and I was wild. like, oh, and he did not have hyperactivity, but they did hyperactivity testing in this laboratory. And she said, he's just having a reaction to this particular thing we're testing. Wow. And I thought I saw the whole thing. I was like, hey, hey, cool it, disobedient four-year-old. And that wasn't what was happening. And I accepted it as just disobedience. Yeah. And then she sure. cruised in and said, hey, other factors, don't oversimplify. You're in the middle of allergy testing. And we know that this child is bothered by certain environmental factors, which is why I was there. Yeah. And those environmental factors were playing a role in his nervous system temporarily. That's really fascinating. 
that really makes me think a lot about how the way I want to observe this fallacy in, in my life, this causation correlation doesn't mean people can't be held accountable for their actions, right? Mm-hmm. Kids shouldn't throw things at their kids. But mm-hmm. if all you did is focus on the appearance, you'd miss the reason. So mm-hmm. if I'm only like, I think about people that are going under like under high stress or having some traumatic experience or something, and then they lash out, they should still be responsible for their actions. Mm-hmm. But it help gives maybe me a better understanding of the why mm-hmm. of this reaction or well and i think it's the question that you and i have to ask all the time what else what else is going on here yeah and train ourselves to ask that and say what are the other factors that could be influencing this that get me away from that oversimplification Hmm. what else could be going on i think about this sometimes with my students i'll think wait i don't know this student mentioned they maybe don't have a place to stay housing insecurities or they have health problems or whatever and there's a whole bunch of the story you and i don't know and we want to train ourselves to say what else could be going on here that would be different than what i'm maybe Hmm. wanting to believe that appears to be the answer so these are my takeaways today to ask what else in my own mind when I'm catching myself doing this, what else, what else could be going on? What else could be going on? Mm-hmm. And in the people I'm in relationship with that, if there's these moments, whether it's outburst or confusion or, or whatever's going on to ask what else could be going on here. And then also if it's lighthearted enough and funny enough, ask yourself if you're having a 1665 moment and you're killing the cats around you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Very good. How about you, Tay? It's just kind of reminding me of something, and I can't remember exactly how she would say it, but my grandma always would reference, you know, don't judge someone until you've walked in their shoes, you know, spent a day in their Mm -hmm. shoes. I guess that's probably a common saying, but I think maybe we do that. We kind of judge everyone around us with these oversimplifications of, well, I saw this behavior, so that is what it means. Mm -hmm. And until you do more investigating and not that you'll ever maybe truly know until you've like lived out their life mm-hmm. thinking about your student who doesn't have a place to live how could they show up and feel good about taking an exam that morning right you know until you really understand someone i think just an always reminder to be less critical and judgment judge What's the word? Judgmental. Judgmental. There we go. Judgmental. Yeah. Thanks for not judging me on my I like that. mispronunciation of judgmental. Hmm. A very data starting episode that became very relational. I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.